This week's podcast brought to you by Cheetos and Speedos. I was making a long drive the other day with our two younger children, and at one point the uh, eight-year-old said, Oh, I'm so hot, and not in a good way. And uh, we drove along a little longer in silence, and I said, Just for the record, what would it be? What would hot in a good way be? And she said, Oh, in the winter t- <laughs> in the winter time, when you're sledding and you're freezing and you come in and you're hot in a good way. Says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, we're doing something a little bit different today. We're not home. We don't have our recording equipment, so we're recording this podcast on an iPhone. So we'll see how the uh, how the quality matches up with all of our other stellar broadcast quality podcasts. Well, the sound quality will be worse. The content quality <laughs> will be the exact same. Probably could not be worse, but you said we're doing something different this week. That's a very Minnesota thing. When somebody sees something that's not good, they will say out of politeness, well... That's different. <laughs> That's what that means from Minnesota. And so when uh, you've heard when, that a lot. When I've come out in new, like a, a new outfit that I'm going to wear to work, and you say, "Oh, that's different." That's not meant as a compliment. Oh, I've never said that. No, you have never said that. Well, there was something that different that hap- that happened to me uh, a couple days ago. Um, we talked about when we were in Minnesota, and I went to buy ice, and I at the gas station. This is a few weeks ago we talked about this and I, you know, made the mistake of getting it out of the ice chest that was outside and bringing it in. Anyway, I was buying gas in Connecticut where you actually do go. I'm sorry, I was buying ice at the gas station in Connecticut where you do go inside to get the ice. And I went in and even though the ice freezer thing is huge, I grabbed the last four bags of ice. When I brought it up to pay for the ice, I told the high school aged kid who was working there, there's no more ice left. And she got this look on her face. And I said, I don't know if that means you don't have any more. And she just, again, got this look on her face. She said, no, we have it. It's in the back. She said, it's just a real production to get it back up to the front. And I asked her what she meant. She has to go down to the ice mine? (laughs) Yes, pretty much. She goes to the back, but she said where they store the ice, the room is so freezing cold, you have to put a full body, almost hazmat suit on to go in to fill almost like a luggage cart with the ice to then roll it out, to bring it out and to fill the freezer in the front where the normal people not in the hazmat suits can then purchase the ice. But this was at a gas station? This is at the gas station, the Cumbi, right in our, our, our town. They have their own ice mine behind the station? <laughs> Apparently somewhere in the back of the gas station, they have a a room where they store, I don't know if it's just ice they store, if they store other frozen goods in there, I don't know. Bodies? <laughs> Maybe. But to go back there, you have to put on a full body suit. So um, anyway, so getting ice from the back to the front is a big chore that these high school aged girls did not want to undertake. And I can sort of understand why. But 
I didn't know that that was part of working at a gas station. And uh, it's an interesting thing to learn, don't you well, think? I worked as a kid at Metropolitan Stadium for Twins and Vikings games, and there were walk-in freezers in the, uh, well, in the main commissary where food was made to send out to the vendors. There was a walk-in freezer where they stored the hot dogs and the frosty malts and anything that needed to be frozen. And But it was also used as punishment for we, the 13-year-old commissary workers, you'd be locked in the walk-in meat freezer, or more often, it was just used as an endurance test. If you didn't want the bad job of cleaning up the hot dog trays, then you had to uh, go with your other teenage colleagues, stand in the walk-in meat freezer, and uh, the, the first one out would be sent to trays to clean the hot dog trays. Well, but when you say this was punishment, this was punishment um, sent down by what, the 18-year-old who the was in 16-year-old charge? 16-year-old who was in charge. The whole thing was Lord of the Flies. And, yeah. uh, and sounds like probably pretty dangerous based on how it's handled nowadays yeah. by putting on a whole suit. Lord of the Fries. Um, well, the, when I, w- I was out in Los Angeles this past week because I was doing a Sparks game while I was out there, and there was a couple things that, that were interesting. Um, one of them... CVS in California, as I'm leaving CVS with something, I hear the a computerized sound, um, you know, that usually comes on when, uh, you know, somebody's stealing something, you know, how all uh, stores have that, you know, beep, beep, beep. Anyway, this one was also accompanied by a computerized voice that said, there has been a breach of invent- of the inventory control system please complete your purchase. So not like that person is stealing something, but there's been a breach of the inventory control system and this like female soothing voice saying it as if, uh, you know, that was going to make the person turn around and complete their purchase. It was like Hal from 2001, part of our post-apocalyptic robotic overlords. Yes, I, I guess that's what it was. Um, the, uh, the other thing that... Uh, was I saw when in California, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, we haven't talked about this. Was the middle-aged man who was wearing the T-shirt that said "Grandpa by day, Peter Pan by night." What uh, what exactly do you think that means? Grandpa by day, Peter, Peter Pan, Pan by, by night. night. Yes. Is this scene at Disney? Yes. Grandpa by day, Tinkerbell by night. I don't know. I um. There was if you think about the shirt in too many ways, it gets um. Pretty darn I imagine uh, it disturbing. Means he wears pointy shoes to bed. <laughs> that must be exactly what it means. Speaking of being out in Los Angeles, uh, I think this week is when um, they're going to be airing the 90210 reboot on television. And one of, one of our friends, uh, or a couple that we are good friends with, both the husband and wife are very excited to watch it. They were hoping we would watch it with them. We were in a group text and... Uh, you did not seem all that interested in watching the 90210 reboot, Steve. Well, in fairness, they're coming to visit us. They will be here the night that it airs, and they just wanted to make sure that they can watch it at our house. Right. and they're But they're excited about it. And, and I have to say, I can totally remember being in college and... Uh, and when 90210 was on, and it was followed by Melrose Place, my roommate and I, it was an event in our dorm. You would go down the hall, we would go down to a couple soccer players' um, room, and all the girls in, on the floor would get together to watch 90210 and Melrose Place. So what was your ritual? You would have been probably in New York City at that time, working for SI. Who, who, were your, you? who were your, did you like the guy with the, the sideburns, or the guy from... 
Canada. Um, I, Jason I, Priestley and and Luke Perry. Yeah, I, I wasn't. It wasn't all about that for me. Like I liked the show. I didn't like have a, a guy I particularly liked. Although on Melrose Place, I was a fan of Andrew Shu. And one of the reasons was because he was a soccer player at Dartmouth while my brother was a basketball player at Dartmouth. So was, there was that connection. But um, why? which one did you like? The one with the sideburns or the one from Canada? Oh, I, I could never decide between the two. <laughs> but uh, do you have any memory of when it was on and its glory and of its course. heyday? Did you watch it? or? Uh... No, I, I, never, I don't think I watched it one time in my life. And actually, there, I, there's another connection with 90210. When we were... Um, when my UConn team in 1995, when we were in Minneapolis for the Final Four, the hotel where we were staying, which was not downtown, Coach Rayama decided to put us out in the burbs. We may have been in Bloomington, actually. Um, Shannon Doherty was there because she was filming. Mall she was rats. in Mallrats, right? At yeah, the, so they were the... filming. I never, I didn't meet her, but I remember some people saying that they saw her at our hotel because she was out there filming. It was Mall filmed rats. at uh, the Eden Prairie Center. So there you go. There's a. Uh, I have two connections to that whatever night lineup it was. I have the Andrew Shue connection and the Shannon Doherty Mallrats connection. I didn't see 90210 and I didn't see Mallrats. You didn't see Mallrats even though mm. it was filmed in Minnesota? Yeah, you know, you, there's probably few things that you like less than... Malls uh, and rats. Malls and rats. <laughs> Although our, our um, eight-year-old was spending the afternoon at our friend's house same friends who were interested in seeing 90210 and I asked her what she did after she had gone to the local swimming pool and she said we just went back to their house and watched uh, a movie and I said what movie was and she said oh her friend picked it out it was Mall Cop <laughs> what's the name um, something Blart Mall Cop Paul Blart and I said did you like it and she said eh it was okay I've never I seen- can't imagine it's even remotely appropriate for I- an 8 year old <laughs> I've never seen that movie, and um, awesome. <laughs> well, whether or not the uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop was appropriate, um, when it comes to our eight-year-old, uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Target with her. Um, I had to get something, and of course, whenever we go there, she wants to just peruse the toy section and look around, and um, she was telling me about some sort of new um toy and I'm, I'm I think she probably only knows about it by seeing its commercial on TV but I loved how she described it to me she said it's not a squishy because any parent out there who has kids of this age know those little squishy things but she said it's not a squishy it's an animal inside of a burrito and then looked at me as if that made all of the sense in the world it's not a squishy it's an animal inside of a burrito and is it I yes I, it was Something that looks like a burrito with an animal hiding inside. It's um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is it like the tiny dogs in the purse, but it's in a burrito? Yes, actually, it's uh, it's similar. It's similar to that. Who thinks is of it, these things and then gets them to market and makes kids want them? Is it an Akita in a burrito? <laughs> and now going from a burrito to when I feel like an animal inside of a burrito, and that's um, sometimes when I'm flying. Can I just um, interrupt you for a second? Of course. You mentioned a burrito and an animal in a burrito. And when we were in Minnesota earlier this summer, I'm having a PTSD recovered memory of there was a guy presumably joking in the lake that we were on wearing a cheetah print Speedo. Do you remember that? <laughs> With his buddies? I do remember. Drinking beer in the lake? Yes. And we referred to it 
as a cheetah speedo, a.k.a. a Cheeto. <laughs> so the Akita and the burrito made me think of the Cheeto. Carry the, on, as you were. Well, if we want to rewind even further, the our eight-year-old talking about an animal in a burrito led you to the Cheeto. In the burrito. <laughs> in the burrito. In the Speedo. I'm sorry. And there's so many things that are disturbing about that. And now I have a hard time relating anything that has to do with me to the animal and the burrito, but I'm going <laughs> to forge on nonetheless. Anyway, that makes me think of when I fly and I feel like I'm all cooped up uh, in my in my airline seat. Um, recently, I was at a gate and the gate next to where I was flying was for Spirit Airlines, even though I was not on Spirit Airlines. And I know that Spirit Airlines, you can buy tickets really cheaply and and they charge for everything. I did not know they charged for this. Um, they the, the flight attendant or the gate agent was making an announcement that Spirit Airlines charges for the use of the overhead bin. So it's one thing to charge to check a bag. But on Spirit Airlines, if you put something in the overhead bin, you have to charge for it. And... Um, how do you think that Is it like works? a bowling alley locker where you they, you rent the key and then you stick the key in the overhead bin and that unlocks it? Yeah, bowling alley or sometimes you go to amusement parks and they have lockers like that if they have the water park portion of it. Um, yeah, those you put the maybe you put the quarter in. You, you then, must put your credit card in and you get the slot. And, and then inevitably the guy next to you would say, hey, since you rented that, you mind if I just stick my uh, you know, flip-flops? Yeah. In there? Yeah, I don't know. Um, if any of our listeners fly Spirit Airlines and know exactly how that transaction works, um, they can uh, they can let us know by sending us an email. We haven't given our email in a while. Ballandchainpod at gmail.com. We've spent uh, a lot of time this summer on a beach somewhere playing paddle ball. And we refer to it, our kids refer to it as Pro Kadima the brand name of the paddles and paddle ball, if anybody right. knows what we're talking about, the wooden paddles and the rubber ball on the beach. Yes. And I must say that if there is a a feat of more mind-bending tedium than playing high-level, high-stakes uh, paddle ball, I, I can't think of it. So our son wants to continuously break our record of hitting the ball back and forth. And our record... Uh, so far was 610 and then you and he went out and and hit 1083 1083 and to put that in in uh, time context what does that take half an hour maybe i don't know and it so, takes a considerable amount and, of time and to the point that your your arm is is burning at least mine was on fire doing it i mean the, by the time we got to 610, we had already gotten to three or 400 several times and started over. So we've been doing this for a couple of hours. And I told him, finally, I have to take a break. My arm is uh, cramping. And he said, mine's not. I could do this all day. <laughs> and the trouble is, we had been doing it all day. Right. And I remember so vividly as a kid doing these, these uh, you know, attempting to top my record of, of whatever it was, if it was just bashing a tennis ball against the brick wall of the, of the garage. And, um, and then he said that pro Kadima, paddle ball, should be a televised sport. If it were, he would watch it. And, and, <laughs> and I thought about that for a second. I thought, I would watch the hell out of that. Right, I probably. absolutely would. Well, when I'm playing it with him, I find that the 
the difficulty is just the counting. And, um, and of course, I feel like I need to audit myself. Like when we would get to 100 or 200 or 300, I needed to, in my brain, make sure, okay, I'm the evens and he's the odds. So I needed to make sure I, I was audit- auditing myself. Okay, yeah, this is the right number because I'm still the evens and he's still the odds. But I was thinking I did the same thing as a kid, even in our garage when, when my parents eventually sold their house, there was written on the go- garage wall, tossing ball record and it was like i don't know how much it was but it was my sister and me out in the garage tossing um a ball back and forth the difference between then and now is i never did any of these things with my parents i the tossing ball record was never with them or if we had two tennis rackets and just like tapped the ball back and forth and did the rec none of that it was all with siblings and it wasn't even with friends because when you had friends over you had better things to do that's a big difference is our son now has his records with you or with me. He certainly doesn't have them with his siblings because that always ends in fights. Well, I had them with myself, but you mentioned something about something being written on the wall or something on the wall. And, and uh, the rest of that conversation, all I heard was Rush, the band Rush in my head. The words of the prophets are written on the studio walls, concert halls. I thought it was going to be, was it Pink Floyd, the wall? No, no, it was, it was Rush. It, it was Rush, who was, who was you know ripping off, in a good way, Simon and Garfunkel. Lastly, on paddleball, so my son and I, our record is 610. Well, yesterday, with my arm aching, we got to 538, at which point on the 539th hit, as we're going for our 610 record, he just blanked and failed to return return it. And I said, in disbelief, what just happened? And he said, very casually, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and we started over. And, 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 and that was driving me a little crazy, I must say. And then our daughter, our eight-year-old, who wanted to get in on this, of course. So we started establishing a record. We started zero, and then we got up to 10, then 20, and 30. As we were trying to break our record, we would keep getting close. We'd get to, the record was 28, and we would get to 26 a couple of times. And then we would get to 25, and she said, Ugh, it's like the snow was falling. And now it's not, and I just got in my snow clothes. <laughs> that was how she characterized the, you know, so close. And yet, yeah. for now, we have to start over. And it was, it was perfect, I must say. Well, I, it, she is a challenge to play with her. I think her and my record is 16. But we would get to six or seven, and then she'd just whack it into the woods or just somewhere it was unretrievable. And, um, and, but she's eight, so I'm not going to lose my patience with her but it's it does take a considerable amount of patience to try to break a record of 16 when you continually just get to seven or eight or nine it is a a zen-like exercise and patience and blocking everything else out of your mind and and it also produces these these gems um of you know random thought Uh, she said yesterday i took my hat off to wipe my bald head because it was so hot and she said she pointed to my head and she said is this your is this your scalp i heard someone call this your scalp and i said yes it is your scalp and she said i always thought it was your noggin <laughs> oh that's perfect well moving from uh, the noggin and the scalp <laughs> back to i don't know what um when we were in uh, Los Angeles for the LA Vegas game, 
Brianna Stewart was joining our telecast. She'd never called a basketball game before, um, and she was joining me and Ryan for the whole game as the uh, uh, second analyst. And Holly Road was Holly Rowe was a sideline reporter, and um, Holly Rowe has become pretty good friends with Brianna over the course of the last few years. And it was hilarious because, um, and we've talked about this, I'm sure, on the podcast before. But Holly's big thing is to make sure that no one wears prints on television. You should always be in a bright, solid color. It's a, it's really good advice, um, but she, you know, that's her big. Uh, pet peeve. If she sees somebody on TV and they're wearing a shirt that has prints on it or a dress uh, with prints and no, not prints from Minnesota, she, you know, will will say something. So, so anyway, a cheetah in a speedo would a cheetah speedo would be <laughs> a cheetah speedo not- would be bad for a lot of reasons. Yes. Um, so anyway, Stewie had this really cute shirt, but it was polka dotted, and Holly was had no problem saying to her i'm not gonna let you wear that shirt and so he's like it's the only one i have i mean i brought this outfit it's not like i can you know she has a seven two wingspan it's not like she can go to the store and just get something so holly said don't worry i got you covered so we've talked also on this podcast how i had a dress that ripped and holly loaned me her dress and it somehow fit holly has a dress with a seven two wingspan (laughs) so we get to the arena and holly is dressed in her you know, an outfit. And she also brought this cool, like cobalt blue leather jacket with zippers and stuff on it. And so she gave it to Stewie and Stewie was wearing, you know, pants and, and like a white tank top and just put the jacket on and it looked fabulous. And, uh, and she wore it for the telecast. And, you know, even people on Twitter were talking about Stewie's cool jacket. Um, and her drip was looking good. And I was just laughing so hard because it was just so Holly Rowe. You know, I'm not going to let you wear that polka dotted uh, shirt on TV. But it's okay because I've got this really awesome jacket that, and it didn't matter that obviously the sleeves weren't long enough because, you know, people wear three quarter sleeves, especially in the summer. And then Stewie's getting all these compliments for her jacket and then, that and then Holly when, made her wear. And then when Holly wears it, people will say, well, you're just copying Stewie. Right, right, exactly. And then maybe it'll be a side by side who wore it better. But that's the beauty when it comes to Holly and then whether it's Stewie or me, the same thing looks completely different because it's on a you know, a much different sized human being than, than Stewie or even I am. But it was, it was perfect. Stewie did actually did a really, really great job for her first time uh, broadcasting the game. But I just loved my favorite part, of course, was <laughs> wearing wardrobe provided by Holly Rowe. And a week after I was driving um, through Manhattan Beach in a rented minivan, Chrysler Town & Country, or whatever right. that thing was, <laughs> A week later, you and Holly are driving through Manhattan Beach in a convertible. Right. Well, this was this was terrific. So I, I I got to L.A. before she did. She she was coming from college football meetings. She gets to L.A., but she had to stay there for a couple of days. We never generally rent cars when we're on the road, um, but she was going to be there a couple of days, so she rented a car. And so she told me, she said, you know, Uber out to Manhattan Beach. We'll have dinner. She's like, I've rented a car so I can drive us both back downtown to the hotel. <laughs> And so when we go to get the car, she said, she's like, I got to the car uh, rental lot and there was a convertible available. She said, so I got it. So we had to first figure out how to get the roof down, how to get the top down on the convertible. But yeah, we're driving along after dinner. We're driving along the Pacific Coast Highway. Holly's blaring um, the R&B station, uh, the XM R&B station. (laughs) 
And uh, while the sun is setting, and I, I was thinking the same thing when I was here a week ago with Steve in the minivan, it was a very different experience going from Manhattan Beach after we had just had dinner. Once again, different meaning worse. Different meaning. Well, in this if, case, if you were diff- in, different meaning better. Just in this case, it may have been a little better. Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. This comes from Tough Schist. I like Tough Schist. Uh, Tough Schist writes, Brew at the Zoo. This is where people go to the, the zoo and drink beer after hours. Right. Brew at the Zoo. This is definitely an evening to entertain the animals. <laughs> The zoo animals will have fun for days talking and animal talk and making fun of the drunk people walking around the zoo drinking beer. I mean, think about this for a second. It's so true. The animals, you know, standing steadily on their four legs, in many cases, sometimes two, perhaps three, as the humans wobble around after having too many brews. That's true. You, when you think you're watching the animals at the zoo, actually, yeah. you are the zoo animal. Well, you are, because in most cases, the, the animal, the reason they're in the cage is because they can crush you, not because of the other way around. Brian J. writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, when we got married, my wife moved from Long Island to New Jersey and took an hour and a half off of her commute. I honestly believe, since she also reminds me frequently, that if I lived further from her job, she wouldn't have said yes. You know what they say, the three most important words in marriage are? Location, location, location. And the headline on this email is geographically drop-dead gorgeous. Which, of course, is in reference to last week when we were talking about somebody telling me that a guy did not want to date her because he said she was geographically unattractive when she lived in Connecticut. Tanya from Troy, not Troy from Tanya, Tanya from Troy writes, Rebecca, in attempts to find YouTube episodes of Between Two Birds, which I had never heard of before, episode 87, I found a clip of your ancestry endeavor with PBS, Finding Your Roots. Finding Your Roots is one of my favorite shows, and I myself have spent time researching my family's genealogy and travels. What was this experience like for you? Do your kids seem to appreciate what you learned? Yeah, it was, what, what, three or four years ago, maybe? I was on an episode of Finding Your Roots on PBS with um, Henry Gates. Uh, It was an amazing experience. They delved into a bunch of stuff. Um, Some of the most interesting stuff they discovered was not actually in the episode because they could not 100% verify it. They could 99%, but not 100%, so they didn't want to put it on air. Um, And I don't know, actually, if any of our kids have watched that, but I'm certain that they will, as they get older, appreciate it. All of my siblings um, were thrilled about it because they obviously have the same family tree as I do um, up until you know, marriage. Um, And it was weird and gratuitous, and they'd never done it before. Derek Jeter actually was the person on after you but they never done this on any of the other episodes they actually described you as having married down yeah <laughs> right exactly they, they and they showed the uh in the the tree the physical tree the branch actually drooping um but anyway it was an amazing experience and actually now between two birds you can find um it has its own youtube channel that i have linked to recently dear rebecca and steve writes uh, gary e siegel md Today, I made the mistake of looking at Instagram in the morning prior to listening to the podcast detailing the fracking millionaire gambler. Your seatmate on a recent flight to Las Vegas. 
blue outfits, and Steve's unusual t-shirt wearing habits. Just as commercial pilots and truck drivers can only work for so many hours by law, I'm pretty sure there are similar laws regarding t-shirts, although the exact number of wearable hours may vary by the season and or the outside temperature. I sometimes like to wear the same t-shirt two days in a row, particularly if I'm at home writing and not seeing uh, members of the of the public. Or, in that case, when you were. <laughs> but go ahead. Thus, thus accounting uh, for your marrying down. Right. Uh, seizing on two other themes from the podcast, I researched various medical conditions. You suffered from a phantom medical condition. Right, right. It allowed me to wear sweats. We have to come up with a name for that medical condition, the by the way. Right, exactly. You heard of the night sweats. This is the day sweats or the evening sweats. I was unable to find one that allows a gentleman to wear a t-shirt for two days in a row and one sleep during the summer. The other theme, Rebecca's enjoyment of an emailed word of the day, inspires me to suggest that perhaps I and or other viewers could volunteer to contact Steve with the t-shirt of the day, with the emphasis being placed on wearing a freshly washed one every morning. Dr. Gary Siegel is always full of really good ideas. I just especially like the notion that the first thing he does when he wakes up is look at Instagram. I think that particular day, and he regretted doing so. Right, because he saw me and Sue Bird in our blue bodysuits. I sometimes look at um, Twitter on my phone first thing in the morning and, and always regret it. Right, I think everyone does. Hi, Restiva, writes Ralph. I came to the same conclusion as Steve about what constitutes important news. The business pages are included in the serious news, and attention should be paid. However, sports sports are far more, far more important The lady in upstate New York misses out on a lot because she does not understand that. I do remember that Steve clearly said he was to visit Brooklyn, but he did not specify Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn, Connecticut, or the Brooklyn section of Baltimore, Maryland. I will also toss in Brooklyn Park, Maryland. There's also a Brooklyn Park and a Brooklyn Center in Minnesota, I, Steve, will add. But uh, for future reference to all viewers, if I refer to Brooklyn, it's referring to the Brooklyn in New York, any any and all other Brooklyns I will specify. And that would include Brooklyn Park, Maryland. Fair enough. Finally, my uh, monocle and croquet dealer, George in Columbus, writes, Rebecca and Steve, Rebecca's description of her medical condition, dinner, reminded me of a story from Carol Burnett's memoir, This Time Together. In 1959, Carol was starring in Once Upon a Mattress on Broadway. One evening after the show, she and three of her castmates went out for ice cream sundaes at Rumpelmeyer's, an expensive ice cream parlor at the San Moritz Hotel. Upon arrival, the hostess noticed that Carol was wearing slacks and started screaming at her in a voice loud enough for everyone to hear. Excuse me, just what do you think you're doing, young woman? Don't you realize that we don't allow ladies in Rumpelmeyer's wearing slacks? Slacks are forbidden. Do you hear me? Forbidden. The tirade continued from there, and when she finished, all of the restaurant patrons sat in stunned silence, waiting to see what would happen next. Finally, Carol responded in a sweet but loud voice. Please forgive me, she said but I have a wooden leg and I'm too embarrassed to wear a skirt. (laughs) Carol concludes her story this way. She led us to a back table. I dragged my wooden leg all the way across the room without bending my knee and ate my hot fudge sundae while sitting stiff-legged the whole time. The revenge tasted sweeter than the sundae. Carol Burnett is a genius. George and Columbus. Oh, that's so perfect. The, the, The beauty of it and... You know, it just makes such it makes such a good story. I, I love my medical condition and Carol Burnett. I, I didn't know that this book existed. I might need to read it now. Well, now you have a strategy the next time you're in sweats in a, in a fancy restaurant. Right, exactly. That's my medical condition. Perhaps that's where the maitre d' got the idea. He'd read Carol Burnett's book. Perhaps it is. Uh, two closing notes. Uh, Sam Farmer, our friend of the show, 
uh, was uh, honored at the Pro Football Hall of Fame yeah. ceremonies this weekend. Congratulations, Congratulations. to Sam. Yeah. And uh, less importantly, Knights in White Castle comes out in two weeks now on August 20th. So exciting. We, we've, we finally got an actual real non- Finished uh, copies, yeah, as they a, call a them. Yeah, a finished copy. And I will send one of those signed hardcovers out to one of the winners of last March's Our bracket, bracket challenge. challenge. Yeah. And the two others will send out the swag, I promise. It would be pretty sweet if you sent out the book to the winner of the bracket challenge before it was in the stores. That would be or a be- real... Or before the next tournament. <laughs> right. But seriously, let's let's try to get it in his or her hands okay. before it's out in the, on the bookshelves. All that's left for us to do is have Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out. So Tom, Dick, Harry, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.